Since iTunes only keeps the last 100 episodes of any show, some of our show topics that seem to help the most people are no longer available when people search on iTunes. So, in an effort to make that information available to more people, from time to time we're going to re-air some of our most popular show topics. You can also go to kickitnaturally.com and search for any topic in our search box. For now, enjoy this show that originally aired in 2014. T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe and I'm here with T.C. Hale, author, natural health expert, producer, my boss, an extraordinarily cool person. And headphone wearer. Headphone wearer. I'm a, I'm a headphone wearer. We got headphones on today, people. We're, we're, we're fancy. Yeah, we're fancy. Uh, we also have Will Schmidt coming at us from uh, via Skype, the, from the F to the L to the O to the R to the I to the D to the A. That's Florida. I, uh, I used to live there, but I never spelled it out each time I said uh, it. I'm not uh, sure where uh, you did that. I don't know. I just said, Florida. It's cool people do that now, Tony. you got to get a hip. I learn a lot of ways to speed things up throughout my day. Some of the stuff is I just say words instead of spelling them out. Oh, okay. It's just my thing, though. How about you, Will Schmidt? Well, I just want to add to the fact that I think it's really fancy that I'm not even in the room with y'all. So we get to experience this show like the listeners do. Uh, we just have to take Will for what he says. We don't get all the pretty stuff. I know. I'm trying to imagine what you look like right now, Will. I think it's going to fail. It's like, I don't know, like an actor used to get by on their like stage presence. You're going to realize, like, I've got nothing. Yeah, we, oh. might, we might replace him next week since yeah. Yeah. we experience him just not being here. Or we'll never see you again because you can be like, I can just Skype from my bed. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't even have to wake up. Exactly. So today's show, we are talking about adrenal fatigue, the ins and the outs. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. We get a lot of questions about this, and it's a very popular topic. And uh, so we kind of want to explain anything that we know about it and what we see happening. Yeah, and we get questions on our Facebook page yeah. at Kick It in the Nuts. And so you need, if you're not part of that, why? Are you a part of anything? Question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you must not be a part of anything. You got to get into the G to the R to the O to the U to the P. <laughs> uh, so go to that page and like it. And that's where we post all our topics. And you guys can ask any questions you want. And then we'll talk about it. T-R-U-E. Yeah, see, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like the spelling thing. Yeah. It takes too long. It does. It I'm does. still I'm, trying to figure out what Ken has said. I, can, I couldn't even hear the rest of it because I was trying to remember the letters. Uh, well, late, next week, by next week, Kenna will be transcribing this show. Uh-huh. So okay. once she transcribes it, we can just read it. It'll be easier to figure <laughs> out. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And it's a good thing I'm not dyslexic because um, then it wouldn't it would make any sense but, just trying to spell it. You know, a big thing with adrenal fatigue is that it's just, it's very popular for someone to be, I'm using finger quote, diagnosed with adrenal fatigue now, um, because there's a lot of reasons for it. A lot of people are dealing with issues that could be viewed that way. And what we see is that uh, adrenals can come back to functioning normally if you can improve the situation that is causing the adrenals to be called into action way too often and we find that uh, there's a lot of imbalances that can create problems there's a lot of low resource issues that can create problems and when you fix those problems that all of a sudden the adrenals seem to just start working correctly because the body can kind of 
go back into that homeostasis of, hey, I, I function correctly. Will, he's using his hands a lot, in case you wanted to know. Mm. I, was ho- I was hoping he would. I was visualizing uh-huh. it. And mm-hmm. he's wearing green today. He looks pretty. Mm. I was shooting for pretty. Mm-hmm. So, Will, what, what do you have to say about that? Um, yeah, you know, I was thinking about its similarities at the, uh, the cellular level, but we'll talk about that later when we get to some of those other questions. But I, I guess one example of what you're talking about of, like, for why the adrenals would be continuously overstimulated and and that being their, like, appropriate activity at the moment might be, for example, if someone has developed, like, a degree of insulin resistance mm-hmm. or is what we call, like, a fat burner or a slow oxidizer – a lot of the times we'll see people in a fight or flight uh, or sympathetic state and the adrenals just and stress hormone levels really high because their body is trying to keep that oxidation of glucose happening and the production of energy happening even though the cells are starting to slow down in their ability to really create energy. So the, the stress hormones and the adrenals will up their um, their activity to try to help facilitate that process of energy production. So if people just try to like take like sedative herbs or something like that, um, it doesn't necessarily do the job. Even if you did take a drug that effectively like minimized the capacity of the adrenals to do their work, that wouldn't be fixing the issue because your body still needs that more energy and the the adrenals are actually doing a really good thing in being hyperactive they're they're trying to pick up the slack essentially yeah and, and there's a couple you know the reason this topic can get so complicated and confusing is because uh that insulin resistance can also be created by the stress that was causing the adrenals to overact and you know causing the body to create more cortisol which Cortisol has the ability to, you know, it's basically its job is to say, hey, let's create more blood sugar through gluconeogenesis so that the body has fuel to deal with whatever this stress is. And that constant stress nonstop all the time, every day for years is one of the things that can contribute to that uh, insulin resistance in the first place. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what was it chicken or egg or... Uh, do we even care? So when you try to uh, treat adrenal fatigue um, or you try to treat adrenal issues, it's often kind of like you're beating a horse that's too tired to run and you're like whacking it with the whip and saying, come on, um, it's too tired, it's going to fall over. So we almost never take these steps that people use to quote-unquote treat adrenal fatigue. Instead, we try to correct what's going on underneath so that the body can function correctly and then the body won't call on the adrenals so much and then all of a sudden they do stuff correctly. That's what Tony yep. does to me in the office. He beats me. Yeah, I have that little whip. Because uh-huh. I'm short like a like a jockey. Mm-hmm. You yeah. like it. You know, you like it. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> so maybe well, let's, let's just get into some questions and then we'll talk more about... Um, you know, steps that you can take, but you've already learned something. Look at that. You learned don't treat adrenal fatigue directly because it's like beating a tired horse. All right. For all of our Kick It Naturally listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. Just go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook to find the link. See, I threw it in there. Audible.com. Uh, yeah. Since we have headphones and fancy stuff now, our readers should get two books. I guess we'll have to talk to Audible yeah. about that. That's how it should go, though. 
All right, Carl from Bowling Green, Kentucky. What are the symptoms? How do you know if you have it? What can I do to correct adrenal fatigue? How accurate is the 30-sec eye dilation test for diagnosing adrenal fatigue? That was a bunch of questions, Carl. You only get one. Yeah, so we'll just pick one of those. Mm -hmm, No, the easy one. We're just kidding, Carl. So, um, Will, I've never used or talked to people that use the 30-second eye dilation test. Have you ever seen that or heard about that? Uh, no, I haven't. All right, Carl wins. Mm-hmm. All right. Good job, no. Carl. <laughs> I mean, there's other, like, hormone profile panels that I've seen people do with saliva tests and things like that. Yeah, they and- do that saliva test for cortisol and DHEA, and uh, they call it, I think, an uh, adrenal stress index. And a lot of people use those. I have heard some people saying that they don't like that specific test, and they'll send that test off to two different places and get a different result, which you hear that about a lot of tests too. Um, So I I don't know about that, but we do have one method that we use that is not a diagnosis in any way. It's it's just kind of an indication of, hey, this, this could be an indication that adrenals are having a little bit of a hard time. And it's the resting to standing blood pressure test. Do you kind of want to walk through how that works? Yeah, so when you take someone's blood pressure with the fancy little monitors that also measure pulse. And this is something that someone can do with their, themselves with a blood pressure cuff they got at the pharmacy. Yeah, we've got videos showing how to do that in our in our free digestive issues course and such. So you, you take your blood pressure after you, you lay down on the couch for a minute or two until you, like your heart rate kind of settles down to a nice relaxed uh, tempo. You take your blood pressure and pulse with the same uh, monitor. The cuff will read both of those at once and write those down. And then as you stand up, you press the button again to take your standing blood pressure. And uh, once uh, you stand up and the reading completes itself, you want to take a look at your pulse and see has your pulse changed more than 12 points from resting to standing, whether it's faster or slower. It'll usually be faster of the work of having to stand up but if it had to change more than 12 uh, feet's difference like say you were laying down it was 80 and you stood up and it's 100 that's a 20 point difference which is greater than 12 so that would show that there may be some like adrenal stress or possible electrolyte deficiency present right and and let's take a step back and and look at the simpler one too because that's kind of a magnified uh, correspondence to what we're looking at but when you take the test, and when Will's saying you're lying down and you take that test and you write down that number, um, you kind of leave the cuff on your arm. You don't take it off. And then you stand up, and as you're standing, you push the button to take the second test. And when you look at the systolic number, uh, from lying down to standing, that number should rise a little bit, maybe just a small amount or considerably. Um, the, and the systolic is the top number on those readings. And uh, if it rises, that's kind of what you want to see. But if it goes down, like your lying systolic number is higher than when you stand up, that can be a pretty strong indication that adrenals are a little tired and they don't have the ability to, uh, you know, the body can't get the blood to move to different places fast enough when you stand up like that, you know, because you were lying and all the blood was kind of pooling down there and then you stand up and you need supposed to go to your head so you can function and it can't do all that fast enough so if that second number goes down that can be an indication of some adrenal fatigue and maybe you need to uh, work on some things to improve that and it also allows you to come back later and 
and test it again after you've done things to improve how the body's functioning. That's just kind of a test that you could do on your own whenever and kind of monitor how, how well are things going. And so if that second number do, does go down on the systolic and that pulse increase is greater than 12, then that can be an indication that maybe some electrolyte issues are magnifying what's going on with the adrenal fatigue. Yeah. And also, I think uh, amidst like the many questions that – I forget. What was his name of the individual who asked those? Carl. Carl. I think his Carl? son owns Carl Jr.'s. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Yeah. So just to clarify, like the the state of adrenal fatigue is um, – it's not really um, – like it's, it's pretty common verbiage in holistic health circles. But it's not really like a medically diagnosed thing. Like um, adrenal insufficiency, however, is when like the adrenal glands – aren't uh, capable of making the steroid hormones that they're supposed to. But adrenal fatigue, it's, it's more of like a collection of, of sort of nonspecific symptoms of like fatigue or feeling off or when, even when they do those saliva tests and look at cortisol levels, they may say, oh, your cortisol is really, really high. It shows like you're in this stress state or it's like, oh, your cortisol is super low. Your adrenals must be burnt out. It's like, well, you know which one is it? Is it when your is it adrenal fatigue when your cortisol is really high or really low? And it, what we need to like maybe focus more on is like rather than trying to just categorize and classify exactly what adrenal fatigue is, because as far as like the medical classifications go, like, it's not very specific. We want to look at more like what kind of energy problems are you in, and what are the what's the base chemistry really causing that? If it is an adrenal insufficiency. That would be kind of different than maybe what people think about when they think about adrenal fatigue. Um, And it has more to do with how those glands are able to make hormones or not. Whereas I think a lot of the time what we're looking at when people feel just exhausted, it's it's other things kind of going on that we've got to get deeper into rather than just blaming the adrenals. Right. And and the the adrenal insufficiency when they run tests on that, to see them be all low – all the time where you see, okay, there's an inability to create the hormones like it's supposed to. That's, that's a lot more rare. Not, not many people are going to see that to where a lot of people will see the, you know, when they say it's a syndrome, that's like a collection of symptoms and uh, test results that all come together and say, yeah, yeah, the body's dealing with this. And that's very common for people to see these things. Because look, when you look at the collection of symptoms that people talk about when they talk about adrenal fatigue it's kind of funny because you look at things that's like brain fog uh, dizzy when you stand up low sex drive um, increased severity to uh, allergic responses uh, low blood pressure low blood sugar weakness uh, feeling bloated so if you look at those things it, go back and listen to all of our shows real quick <laughs> yeah we'll we'll wait and you'll hear that we all talk about all of those symptoms almost always go along with low blood pressure and a lack of resources or someone um, being uh, having insulin that is overreactive to the amount of carbohydrates that they're eating so they get those spikes and crashes in blood sugar so blood sugar ends up going too low. Um, so you can kind of think about the adrenals that are just these two little glands that sit on top of your kidneys and they're just kind of like a backup, like, hey, I'll, I'll help out when stress comes on 
and the body needs more resources to deal with that stress. So it's just kind of like a backup system. But the way we live today, we're st- I'm stressed right now. Like it's <laughs> all the time. Like everything is stressful. Um, it, and the body was designed to create that backup system to get that juices flowing, adrenaline pumping when a lion is chasing us. But the way we live life now, lions are chasing us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Did yeah. you ever watch that uh, Bush family on Alaska, Bush family? No. They just live off the land. Like, and they have no stress, except when an actual bear is chasing them. Right. But so, you know, we <laughs> just all need to go off the grid. Uh-huh. That's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about some steps that we can kind of reduce that a little bit in our lives. But that's basically the problem that we're looking at. So it's not so much, come on, stupid adrenals, why don't you work better? It's not that. It's that the way that you're living your life and the body and the way that your body is processing uh, the foods that you're eating and uh, the resources that it has available. It's all of those things are causing the adrenals to be called on too often. So, of course, they're going to kind of wear out. Mm-hmm. And working for Tony, too, man. Right. That can work you on your last good adrenal. Right. You don't want that. So while we're looking at all these symptoms that are common with adrenal fatigue, we know that those are also common with low blood pressure and low resources. So it makes sense that if a, a person has less resources, doesn't it make sense that the body would have to call on the adrenal to, hey, help us out more often? And it might also be helpful for people to think of the, the real issue as an, like an energy production problem, whether their external environment is like they're perceiving it to demand too much energy production all the time or their diet or their weaker digestion is preventing them from being able to manufacture enough energy effectively that is leading to the fatigue. But when we, when we start, the usefulness of maybe talking about it that way is it gets our focus off of what's wrong with the adrenals and more onto what is getting in the way of energy production in this individual. Is it poor digestion and malnutrition resulting? Is it like the thyroid horm- like hormone being blocked or the way the cells are being asked to make energy? Is there issues blocking them from producing energy? Right. And so we, yeah. why don't we start where you and I would start if we were working with any client, which is digestion. And this is episode 76. So we've had 76 shows. Dad, so maybe I think it's time to just ask Kenna why digestion, poor digestion, <laughs> would lead to uh, low resources. And let's just see what happens. Okay. Well, if you have poor digestion, you're not pulling. Your digestion is basically the root system of your body. <laughs> so if you're not able to pull all the nutrients out of your food, then you can't get all that goodness that's coming from it. And you, your body constantly screams that it's still hungry maybe but that you're not getting what you need and so when you don't have the minerals you need i'm now i'm talking with my hands because that's what (laughs) smart people do Uh Uh, if you don't have the minerals that you need then all those signals can't travel to your brain they can't travel to the parts of the body that they need to go and so now you're screwed so now you're whacked you're depressed you you get angry you yell at your husband because he didn't do the dishes last night dishes um you know all these things that can go wrong and all these imbalances that can be created because you're not pulling the digestion out of your food and if this happens for a long period of time well then you're screwed you, you know kind of had it at getting the goodness yeah getting the you goodness it right and there. then like then you're going to go for what is what can you digest 
process. So mainly it's easy to digest carbs, so you're probably going to eat heavy carbs. Then you're going to become insulin resistant, blah, 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 blah. Man, I should be a healthcare practitioner. Yeah. Jeez. Nailed it. Wow. Yeah, so the thing is that people think that they eat food and then they poop, so everything's working correctly. But if you're not digesting that food correctly, you don't get all the nutrients that are in that food. Even if food. it's organic and natural yeah, and you're doing everything food. clean, you're still, if your digestion's off, you're still not able to get it. Right. So, so now let's go back to talking about uh, some of the other factors, Will, with that. Um, but digestion is the big one that, that needs to happen first. I mean, that's the, that's the first thing, the, most, the priority. Yeah. Will, are you impressed with me too? Yeah, that was oh, awesome. Good. Too, I was just waiting for your praise. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so we want to look at that. Like, is the, is the individual able to get energy from their food? And if they can't, then, well, there's a primary cause of an energy production problem. And then, like, once we look at beyond, okay, say we, we've, we are addressing the digestive issues in an individual, maybe the next couple things we'll be looking at is, is the person eating the right kinds of food for them to be able to produce energy efficiently and there's a lot of factors to look at when we look at all the things that we use to nuance the diet to suit someone's individual chemistry right and that's a big problem when we're looking at this is you know what ken has said about you know someone eats a steak or or some kind of animal protein and they're bloated for the next six hours and they feel like there's a rock sitting in their stomach then they start to not eat those foods, and, and, and they feel like that because they, were, they didn't have enough stomach acid to break that down. So as they start to gravitate towards you know, processed junk and carbohydrates that are easier to digest, now we're causing the insulin to be high all day, creating more inflammation and more stress that the body has to deal with. So when we're talking about why are the adrenals being called on so often, you have to look at the stress of the body. And, and the stress of the body is more than just sitting in traffic, being late for a meeting. The stress of the body can be uh, low resources or high insulin all day. You know, what else are we looking at when we're looking at stress, Will? Should yeah, well, another thing we can look at is when your blood sugar is unstable. So, I mean, there's a lot to say with insulin resistance and the the cells not even getting sugar into them. But if someone's eating in a way where they're spiking and dropping their blood sugar all the time, or if they're going a really long time in between meals, their body's going to start to elevate their stress hormones in order to do two things. One, um, through elevated stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline and even estrogen, we'll see the body start to generate more fuel for itself. So say you eat like a bag of potato chips or something like that with like a lot of starchy carbs and it spikes and drops your blood sugar. When the blood sugar goes down, that's when the stress hormones start to kick in. Uh, one, in order to spur you to action to go get more fuel for your body so it'll give you cravings for more carbohydrates. And two, it'll also at the, like a tissue level start to deanimate or catabolize some of your own body reserves like your proteins and your fats that make up the tissues of your body to start to create more glycogen to uh to turn into fuel right so, think think about that uh, cortisol you know creating glucose through gluconeogenesis and that gluconeogenesis is 
a process that kind of can turn protein into glucose so the body can use that. But if you don't have a lot of protein available, where is it going to go to get that protein? Your biceps. Right. Just yeah. my biceps. That's where it yeah. goes, right? <laughs> but right, your tissue is <laughs> Yeah, so then we'll see like when people are – they're not eating enough or they're trying to go really long periods of time or they're too busy at work and they, they don't stop to refuel their body. They'll, they'll start to have these elevated stress levels and it will – one, it will prevent you from being able to like um, build muscle mass if that's one thing that you're after. But it will also – um, it'll keep you in this stressed state so you'll feel that fatigue and strain. Different parts of your brain are active when you're in this spider flight, elevated cortisol zone, so you don't, you don't necessarily feel as happy or more on edge. And, um, and it's, it's the problem. Like For people that get stuck in that too long, that's what eventually leads to this condition that people refer to as adrenal fatigue. Their body's just ex- exhausted of its resources and with that, not able to produce the, the amount of energy that the individual is uh, hoping for or used to anymore. We probably should get some more questions. Okay. But I was thinking, too, like if people are like, where do I get a, a blood pressure cuff? Can't you just go to like any CVS or Amazon and stuff and buy one? You can buy one. And a lot of pharmacies will also have uh, those big sit-down machines. But you can't like do that stand-up. Yeah, yeah. I'm just be... going to lay here for a while until I relax and then I'm going to stand but up. But you also – it's a, it's attached to the big seat. Like you can't – you have to be the Hulk yeah. to – See, I'm spoiled because at work I get to chest mine. Mm-hmm. How many people can say that? Okay, Jamie from Two. Berkeley, California, <laughs> and nurses, I guess, and doctors. Are there foods that can help adrenal fatigue? No. Next question. Okay, moving on. Oh, no. <laughs> so you know, there, there there may be in a roundabout way, but all the foods that are going to help are kind of going to be like a roundabout way. But there are a lot of foods that could exacerbate adrenal fatigue, and Ooh. that's anything Sugar. that's sugar. Well, you have all the junk and all the stuff that's going to spike and drop. You're like a broken record. Sure, right? Um, but, you know, if you can move more towards eating real food, even food that does contain sugars and carbohydrates, whether that be fruits or sweet potatoes and things, but you're just looking to uh, keep the insulin a little more even keeled so you're not getting the huge spikes that result in the huge crashes. All right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. When... when um when you look at adrenal fatigue as like a an issue of energy production, like you said, there's and there's a lot of different variety and some foods that are generally uh, useful. But a couple things that I think are usually bad calls for people with this problem are are things like you said that spike that spike your blood sugar a lot. So starches uh, can be particularly bad because they'll they'll lead to those hypoglycemic episodes once the blood sugar goes down, and that's when you'll get that. Uh, that elevated cortisol or at least your adrenals would try to create elevated cortisol if they aren't already sort of uh, fatigued that and then anything else that impairs with uh, that impairs regular cellular respiration so the polyunsaturated fats which can damage the mitochondria and impair their ability to make energy again these are bad moves right these would be bad things so starches and polyunsaturated fats like canola oil any heated plant oil other than coconut, um, a lot of the omega-3s and 6s can get in the way. I know everyone always talks about how essential those fatty acids are, but Oops. they uh, 
they're definitely not great if you're dealing with this issue. And um, you'd also foods that you'd want to emphasize is you'd want to make sure that you have enough, uh, for sure, have enough protein coming into your system and the digestive capacity to be able to to break it down and assimilate it. So that would be pretty key. You know, and you also hear a lot of people they'll they'll suggest you know things that can help out adaptogens like vitamin C or like B-complex. And, you know, I, I'm fine with those things because if the body's dealing with some type of problem, a toxin, invader, uh, whatever, and uh, it's used all the vitamin C that the body has, giving the body more vitamin C supplies more resources to deal with those things, which could reduce the stress of the body. So I'm fine with that. I just don't view those things as um, the answer. So, you know, if, while we're talking about foods that could help, you know, that can be something that could help. Uh, foods that contain vitamin C or some type of whole food uh, source of vitamin C, like acerola cherry uh, powder or, or our protein powder. Boom. Look at the commercial Whoa, right there. There you go. Happened. Woo. Totally happened. Right. <laughs> I like what Will said about how having the capacity to digest the protein because I was on the shoot this weekend and this girl said, oh, I just don't eat meat anymore because it doesn't agree with me. I hadn't had it in a while. And she said, then I tried a burger again. And she said, I was sick all day. And I wanted to go, just because you doesn't feel good and you can't digest it doesn't mean that you don't need protein and you just need to work on your digestion. Because she kept saying right. her body was giving her a sign. And I was like, right. well, your body yeah. is just saying you need to work on your digestion. But, you know, I didn't want to argue with her all day, so I didn't. So you punched her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I also wanted to ask, what's the difference between a starch and a carbohydrate? Because that always is kind of confusing to me, so it might be confusing to other people. Good question. That is Look a at good... me. I'm smart oh, I'm fire today. So, so there's a lot of different types of carbohydrates. There's monosaccharides and disaccharides and dextrose and maltodextrose. There's all these different carbs, and some are very long chain and some are short some are very problematic. Some feed uh, different strains of bacteria, and some are really easily used. Some of them are delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them are delicious. Um, but starches are the the relevant. I mean, there's a lot of things at the molecular level that differentiate them from sugars. But the main thing that we want to look at with this, with in the light of adrenal fatigue, is the the rate at which starches are ushered from the bloodstream into the cells so your blood sugar levels drop is very very fast when you consume starch type carbohydrates as opposed to um, sugars especially like fruit sugars like fructose or even sucrose even like white table sugar is relatively lower glycemic compared to starches which may be surprising but fructose is a super slow burning carbohydrate that would provide um a steady source of glycogen for uh, for the cells to produce energy from. So we can see uh, fructose-rich foods, if the individual um, is still receptive to carbohydrates, would uh, usually be an appropriate thing to include in the diet of an individual with adrenal fatigue because for cellular respiration and energy production to happen in the way we want it to, to support like maximum ATP production, we'd want to have glucose and oxygen and water available so that the whole process can happen right. And if there isn't enough of any one of those elements, like if they went on a ketogenic diet or something like that, we'd see even further elevated 
cortisol levels. Uh, so that that would be like another food to potentially include would be like fructose rich fruits, provided the individual isn't super insulin resistant. And keep in mind, yeah, and keep in, keep in mind that uh, when we we're not talking about like high fructose corn syrup, that gets fructose a very bad name because so many processed foods contain that type of fructose, which is can be problematic. Uh, at those levels. So when you look at the fructose and fruit and things like that and honey, I guess, you know, those things are going to be a little bit different. Um, but when you look at the difference between carbohydrates and starches, you know, carbohydrates are in most things. You know, most green vegetables contain carbohydrates, um, but it's the starches that kind of fry faster. It's that faster response that so creates... like a list? Yes, there's a brown list. You know, when you look at uh, starchy things like potatoes, and you know, okay. even a sweet potato is a is a starchy type of carbohydrate, but it's a lower level um, of those carbohydrates mm-hmm. that don't impact so hard. But uh, you know, all of the floury kind of stuff, um, like breads, things the like baked, that, baked good, all the prizes. Okay. Cakes. Yeah, that's what I kind of just wanted to go off. Like, what's the list? Like, can you say breads, rice, pasta, blah, 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 and you're pretty okay if you stick with fruits and vegetables, even though you still have to watch the carbs? Yeah. Like, most, like, rice for sure, grains, um, yeah, and then the more refined grains even more so. So, corn also, like, all those Mm -hmm. corn-based products. Um, So, we'll see all those be, like, higher in... um, in starch, and then there's a lot of things that have maltodextrin added to it, which like even some almond milks and things like that. So you kind of want to watch out for that. All right, Debbie from Warsaw, Indiana. I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue last year through saliva testing. My naturopath chalked it up to being a stressy, people-pleasing, chronic dieter who hit menopause and fell apart. So I dropped out of most of my activities, stopped strenuous exercise, and chose to simmer down, like Tony says to do. But I only really started getting better since, of course, I began to work on my digestion. So my question, how much of adrenal fatigue is emotionally is emotional exhaustion and how much can be attributed to physically going offline due to low resources and poor digestion. I am so much better thanks to you guys. I have energy again and can be around people without sweating, panicking, and wanting to punch them in the face. Big yay. Thanks. That's a fun one for Debbie. Um, And it's always great to be able to avoid punching people in the face. I still want to. Uh I don't know. (laughs) That's just always going to be me. It's Mm. deep-seated. But... To answer Debbie's question, it's it's really both because, uh, you know, how much of it is uh, there's low resources and how much of it is learning how to calm down and simmer it's down. All connected. And it, it's It's both of those things because the ability to calm down reduces your need for more resources and fixing digestion and eating better food increases the resources available. So it's kind of a balancing situation of do I need more or can I... Use less or body, mind, spirit. I used to think that was a bunch of, but it really is all connected because what, like, it's like the chicken or the egg. It's like, was your body making you do this or was you being stressed out? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things with our with our health that are kind of um, spirals, like either upward or downward spirals. And I think this is a really good example of one. Like when, say, there's at the base of her issue, there was some biochemical cause of it, and that made her feel. Fatigued, and that made, and then the fatigue made her feel stressed, and then the stress made her even more in fight or flight. So her digestion got even weaker, and then she got even less from her food. So that's a biochemical thing. 
it's just a negative spiral of like the biochemical and the emotional both reciprocally like exacerbating each other and we can get the opposite effect too if we if we try to like address both heads of the issue so when people wonder like oh i don't know is is it am i just a basket case or is it just my body i think it's usually best to say both and to work on both yeah and and you look at what debbie says she says that she hit menopause and then fell apart and it's not that menopause causes you to fall apart it's that you know she says she was a chronic dieter so she was probably you know doing some horrible thing like counting calories and restricting what she ate in an attempt to lose weight and that gave her body fewer resources so the the reproductive system says hey we can't reproduce anymore so let's just move this system into menopause and shut it down and so the falling apart is just a coincidence to all of that and uh, so it makes sense that adrenal fatigue would show up after all that because the body's running out of everything. It's like, hey, can we get some help? So would you say meditation could help too if you're working on all the other stuff like digestion as well? You know, it really could. Let's have Will Schmidt chime in on that because he's probably meditating right now. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I was hear him. I was, I was just meditating. But yeah, I think it absolutely can. I mean, meditation can be incredibly powerful. They've done things with even... Um, with little kids with cancer, they would have them sit and imagine their like immune system, like imagine their body starting to make more white blood cells, and they would do blood tests and see like the kids that were imagining or meditating or visualizing their immune systems would improve. And there's other things like with I've heard of Tai Chi practitioners and martial artists that they've had broken bones and while they're arms were in cast there they should have atrophied but they didn't because they visualized exercising there's all in their their nervous system just kept up like the integrity of the tissues i think there's our mind is way more powerful than we often will think about but i think you're right in um in the way you kind of flipped her her sort of position around tony where it wasn't necessarily the menopause that caused the falling apart so much as the falling apart is what we eventually call menopause for older women. Right. And, and, and you know, what's, what's interesting, and just to say something about meditation for, you know, we're here in Los Angeles, and if you, get a, you can get a ticket if you're at a red light and you're not meditating here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a different thing. But, but the most stressed out people still. Right, right. <laughs> but for people who hear something like meditation, like, oh, blah, blah, it's like, okay, fine, don't meditate. But what I want you to do is just sit there and shut up and don't think about anything for a few minutes and calm down and just let your body uh, have a break from you stressing about every single thing in your life and going over it in your head. And because if, let's say that Kenna is in the kitchen doing dishes or something like that and you walk up behind her and she screams mm-hmm. like she just got murdered. Um, when you're scared like that or something startles you, you can often feel that in your body, like in your stomach. Like you can feel the chemicals that were created and that's what your body is doing when there's a stress going on. So to take a minute and just step away from all that and to calm down and let your body just relax for a second in any way that you're doing it 
can be really effective. Or even if you don't meditate, I've found lately, I'm like, wow, I'm always just focusing on the negative. I'm not focusing on the positive. And Tony's been over that a million times with me, but it's true. If like you let one little thing make you spiral out of control and stress you out, you need to sit down and make a list of 10 things that are great, you know, that you're grateful for. Just something to keep you from being freaked out and say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I forgot. I, I have teeth and I like having teeth, so I'm going to exactly. be glad about that. And then right then the tooth falls out. <laughs> but like David Lynch, the director, is trying to get um, meditation installed in elementary schools and schools and stuff and make children like meditate every day. So maybe we should get him to come on the show. Okay, next week. All right. I'll call him. All right, Simon from Wrexham. Can food intolerance cause adrenal fatigue? We haven't, we haven't had a question from Simon in a while. I know. Simon, what, where are your questions about? I know. I see him around Facebook and stuff. But Simon, yes. I mean, why couldn't it? Because a food intolerance can create such a stress. So tell us about that, Will Schmidt, while you meditate. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, anything can like that impairs energy production can contribute to this issue we're calling adrenal fatigue. So if there is some uh, allergen that you're consuming that is uh, getting in the way of that or that is causing your body to have a heightened immune response and that takes a lot of energy for it to like mount that and create all the cells that it feels are appropriate and, and deploy them to go combat these allergens, all that takes a lot of energy. Which is why people feel so tired when they're sick. So you can think of like an like an allergy, somewhat like a virus in a way, and insofar as that it can occupy your body's energy production as it tries to combat that allergen or that in, infection. So in that in that way, yeah, it could definitely contribute to just feeling more fatigued and more depleted of your body's energy overall. And then there are, there are different allergens that could potentially get directly in the way of the cellular energy production or particular um, like organ function, whether it's the endocrine system or the adrenal cortex. There's, it depends on the nature of the, uh, the allergen. But overall, anything that your body is perceiving as a, a threat or a foreign invader um, is going to occupy some of its energy. Right. It's just like Game of Thrones. Right. I'm, I'm the only person not watching that. Because, you know, when you have that... Uh, allergic reaction to something it's like your body going to war and you know even game of thrones they're not at war all the time there would be no time for all the nudity scenes if they Aww. if they didn't do that so right. you you have to look at it like that's a huge stress on the body and improving start watching it yeah winter's coming uh, i love peter dinklage too he I, I have a crush on him i have to say you know and this is an interesting thing that and this goes with this show is because i was actually talking about that show and another trainer at our gym was like you actually watch a show because for so long I would never even turn the TV on. I was either studying or, or researching or doing work like a psycho. And it's important that I finally listen to people that I simmer down sometimes and I do things that oh happen God, in we, life. We are recording this, right? right. Yes, it is recorded. Right. Great. See, it's okay. even still astonishing to Kenna. But it's important to allow the body. So, you know, all the... The people that, uh, you know, as far as steps to improve adrenal fatigue, one of them can be be happier, reduce the stress uh, from whatever's stressing you out, which could be... Watch naked people on TV. Right, that's that's how you do it. Um, But find ways that you can reduce a lot of those things in your life, whether it be, uh, you know, a horrible boss like me. Uh A massage would be great, too. Um, 
you know, people that are married and miserable, you know, all that kind of stuff. Divorce. Right. <laughs> Divorce can be a great solution. I'm just kidding. But, you know, removing the things or the people in your life that are making you miserable can I be a great a way to improve your health. Maybe the gun is not the best way. Okay. I'm joking about that gun. I may be from Texas, but I don't have guns. Okay, Katrina from Salem, Connecticut. I hear that's where a bunch of witches are. What's the best way to get people to realize it's not a motivational issue? I'm at a crawl, and all my friends and family say they'll only help me once I start helping myself. Or is it best to just wear a shirt that says STFU? I think it's best to wear that shirt and to get some new friends and family. Uh Uh-huh. Shirts are fun. Yeah. So it's nice. It's it, it does. It's relaxing to buy new clothes. So sure. Yeah. Maybe that's not what she meant. Um, but it, it is. It, most people think you know when someone's tired, if they're not tired, that it's just in their head, and why don't you just not be tired anymore? Or if you're fat, it's all about self control. Right. And, control, and you're lazy. Why can't you just control yourself? You right. Lazy piece of oh. Right. So we we talk a lot <laughs> in all most of our shows about how. There's usually physiological things going on there, and that's important, even if no one else understands that. If you're dealing with an issue like this, and you understand that it's real, and that there's things going on in your body, then at least you know, okay, what steps can I take to improve that? And it may take work, but at least you know that there's things you can do, and that it's not just in your head and something that you made up. That's Yeah, and Katrina, you need to join our support group on Facebook. It's, you know... It's like-minded people that are there to help you and who don't think that it's all about your self-control. Right. There's people – there's so many people in the group, in our group, and there's, it's thousands. And, and it's a lot of people that have experienced firsthand that, oh, I had a problem like depression or whatever that somebody told me to just snap out of it and I never could for decades. But when I fixed my physiology, I saw improvement. So – Firsthand, they've seen it with themselves. So when you ask questions, they're going to understand and be able to help you, point you in the right direction. All right. Adam, in my early 20s, I am now 36. I took massive amounts of ephedrine. My hung. I don't know if I said it right. I still don't know if I said it right, Will. I felt great while taking it and have never felt right since they banned it and have never had that kind of energy again. I did some research and came across a book from Dr. Lamb and also a book from Tim Ferriss. Believe it or not, that is where I learned about adrenal fatigue, and that is what I was most likely suffering from. He recommended a specific diet, but it really made no difference. Is there a way to really combat adrenal fatigue if you fried your adrenals from too many adrenal-releasing supplements? And Will was probably on ephedra at some point, don't you think, Will? Sure. Oh, yeah, I've done, I've done all those. Laced I with used, cocaine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right. I used to, I, yeah, I used to take uh, Ripped Fuel, its original formula, uh, when ephedra was legal and allowed to be in those little um, psycho cocktails. Right. And they they work synergistically with caffeine. So if you take caffeine, you get a buzz. You take ephedra, you feel like kind of warm. Like it increases thermogenesis, which is not necessarily a good thing. Um, But when you take them together, you feel crazy hot and crazy. So (laughs) So there's you notice the two crazies in there. Yeah, you mentioned that twice. You feel both of those way more. Like temperature hot or I'm sexy hot. (laughs) <laughs> um, not sexy. You feel psychotic. Okay, like, good. <laughs> like legit crazy and Hot very mess. warm, like sweating even in Boston cold. So you, uh, 
I, I, and I've definitely had that um, exhaustion that I, would, that I would feel as I came down from them. I've never gotten to an, a point where, and when they banned it, I, I just used other stimulants more, like other excitatory amino acid blends, like pre-workout stimulants and caffeine and stuff. Um, and I never had it where I felt like super out of energy. But um, I think what this person should focus on is what can I do to help my body make energy in a healthy way? So you want to look at things that, what kind of fuels does it want to run on? Like, does my body have stable blood sugar and readily available glucose? Is my digestion working well? Am I giving my body the nutrients it needs for my thyroid to run right? Do I have enough protein? Are my pHs balanced? Do I have enough electrolytes? And just keep doing that stuff, making sure you've got all those bases covered and your body's energy will naturally pick up. If you get it to the point where all of your self-test scores show your body's balance, like your blood pressure's on point, your pHs are in range, your breath rate is in the ideal range, your specific gravity is right. If you can get that to happen, you're going to feel good. You're not going to feel like you're on methamphetamines, but you're going to like be able to have energy again. Right. So I, I think the, you know there's a lot of organs in the body that can get broken. <laughs> but uh, with the adrenals, I, I, I seem to see a lot where they kind of come back and um, just by helping the body balance out. And, and Adam is one of our... Uh, great stories in the group that he's seen amazing weight loss and um, all of his friends like, hey, how did you do that? And like half the people in the group show up because they saw what Adam did. Um, so he's already started to create some improvement. And uh, so I don't think that you should feel like just because you took steps that could have fried them out before that that doesn't mean that they can be fixed. I think that the steps that you've taken have already started moving that direction um, that would allow them to start to function better again. And he gave me the nickname of Cutie Patootie, ah, so I like him. That was sponsored by Adam. Mm -hmm. I, did, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. um, so, and when you heard about the, the you know, a specific diet to help adrenal fatigue and it didn't do anything, um, I, I think you probably know now that it would depend on were you able to digest that specific diet and uh, you probably were not. So, because food really does count, and I don't know what the specific diet that Tim Ferriss was talking about, but um, adjusting your diet and ability to digest that diet really can uh, bring some improvement to this issue big time because you're reducing all the stress the body's dealing with. Yeah. I mean, I've read Tim's book. I love Tim Ferriss. I think mean, he has a lot of great advice, but I don't. Um, I don't think that the diet he talks about is is right for everyone. I know it's worked for him and a lot of his readers, but he uh, he recommends what he calls the slow carb diet. So there's a lot of legumes and beans and things like that that are these starchy carbs, and some of which are uh, create a lot of gas for some people, and others like the starch load is very imbalancing on their blood sugar. Uh, but for some people, it works great. But I, I could see why it wouldn't work for a large segment of the population, right. and and definitely why it wouldn't give like a large segment of the population like more energy. I could see it make it a lot of people more fatigued. Okay, so let's wrap up adrenal stuff real quick, and we'll see if we have time to do a, an Ask Tony question too. Um, so let's just review that. Uh, 
how does how can someone have an indication that they may be dealing with adrenal fatigue? And we talked about that blood pressure test. Yeah, where the pulse changes more than twelve points from resting to standing. Um, there are also and the systolic goes higher than the than the the systolic standing uh, goes lower than the systolic when you are resting. That's the biggest factor in that test. Yeah, um, one thing we didn't mention about that is you may. Um, you may also feel kind of like sometimes your body's really in fight or flight and other times it's like flipped into parasympathetic where um, if you're having like adrenal fatigue, sometimes you'll get bouts of like hypercortisol and then really low cortisol. And we see that kind of with a struggling thyroid too. But sometimes you might feel like your hands are really cold and then other times you might feel like they're really clammy and your body temperature regulation just may be kind of off. So that, that could be another indicator of adrenal fatigue. Right. And all the symptoms that they talk about, they correspond with low blood pressure. So looking at where your blood pressure is is a big step to figure out, okay, is there a reason for my adrenals to be fatigued? And if your blood pressure is low, you know, at least two hours after a meal, and by low we mean like, like the systolic is under 112. If that's the case, then you know your resources are low and that if you can lift those and take steps to lift them, um, then that'll reduce the amount of work that your adrenals will be called on to do. Yeah. If you'd like to learn how to become a health coach or even just dig into more advanced teachings for yourself or your family, go to healthprocourse.com to learn about Tony and Will's course for coaches. Registration for this course only opens to the public for about a week at a time, so be sure to register for the coach newsletter so you'll be notified when the next registration opens. You'll find more info at healthprocourse.com. Do we have time for the yeah, let's Ask do roses. questions? Let's do Rose's questions. Okay, see how that let's goes. see here. Rose. I've been listening to audio number 65 about cellulite. More than once, your speakers referred to mitochondria making energy in a dirty way. Were they talking about cells replacing the Krebs cycle with fermenting, what's this, cachexia? Cachexia? Is that what it is, cycle? Sure. Okay, thanks. (laughs) I'm new to the site, having bought the Kick Your Fat in the Nuts book. Yeah, I don't even know how to say that. Cachexia? Yeah, but Will likes to talk about making energy in a dirty way. Mm -hmm, I do. I like dirty ways, but um, yeah, I was I was unfamiliar with the term kexia, which I think is how you pronounce it. And in looking it up, it's also referred to as wasting syndrome or a loss of weight. I'm reading it off Wikipedia right now: loss of weight, muscle atrophy, fatigue, weakness, and significant loss of appetite in someone who is not actively trying to lose weight. So that that is not what I was talking about. I mean, a lot of these people that are dealing with um, what I was talking about, these energy production problems where proper cellular respiration and clean oxidation of glucose by the mitochondria is replaced by paralipid oxidation and, and fatty acid um, metabolism. That That's very different than this cachexia, which is a body-wasting uh, syndrome. And so, if you're dealing with that type of an issue, it might be worth looking to see if you're overly catabolic and the body is just kind of breaking down. And we teach people how to look at their physiology and figure that out in our free four-week digestion course at kickitinthenuts.com. Yeah. Um, what I think she might have meant in her question, maybe she mistook this word. Maybe she was just talking about uh, this other like lactic acid cycle. And it, it really like lactic acid is a piece of the puzzle of what's happening in this like the types of cell or the cells that can't make energy in this uh, clean like 
productive way, lactic acid and ammonia and free radicals are all byproducts as well as displacement of electrolytes. Those those things all start to happen when the cells start to lose their ability to make energy in a clean way, which is uh, oftentimes at the heart of adrenal fatigue. Um, but it's a it's a different thing than what she was asking about. I'm going to get you a T-shirt that says "Dirty Energy" on it. Dirty Energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's let's do Aubrey's. I think we have time. Aubrey, what are your thoughts on psyllium fiber supplement like Consil to help with digestion and lower cholesterol? I think that it doesn't do either of those things like you want it to. But let's talk about why people think that. And because when you look at fiber, uh, when people look at digestive issues, they're like, oh, I can't poop, so then I must need fiber. So I take fiber and then I fix my digestion. And, And if you've ever heard any of our shows ever, you know that we don't view it that way at all. But fiber can be... A helpful factor to help the stool move through the body, clean junk off of the colon walls, all that stuff, uh, so that food can be better assimilated. And with cholesterol, we know, we view cholesterol as uh, it's just coming into it's being called upon to deal with all the inflammation being created by the high insulin. So, and that comes from eating too many carbohydrates. But if you consume fiber with those carbohydrates, it reduces how much uh, that will spike blood sugar and call on insulin. So then that can reduce your cholesterol load. So people view fiber like it's going to lower cholesterol, which in a very roundabout way, it can be helpful. But what's more helpful is just stop eating all of the garbage that you're eating. And then you don't have to worry about fiber helping a very small percentage. Uh, So to, to fix digestion and lower cholesterol, instead of using fiber, I like to see people fix digestion and lower cholesterol. <laughs> yeah. Right. By avoiding the foods that are making it high in the first place. Right. So the problem with a lot of uh, when people try to eat higher fiber is they eat like a high fiber cereal or something. Or colon blow. Yeah. Colon blow is good times. So <laughs> who doesn't want that? But uh, – you know, they're eating all these high-fiber foods, but those high-fiber foods are super high in carbohydrates. And if, if you could just eat real food instead uh, and get your fiber out of, uh, you know, green leafy vegetables and stuff, that's more beneficial. Now, that doesn't mean that fiber supplements are bad for you. I like people to use fiber supplements. I'm fine with that. It's It can be beneficial in a lot of ways. Just don't view it like it's going to fix your digestion or fix your cholesterol problem. It's it's not enough. It's a very small piece of both of those puzzles. Even though like you could get the equivalent of 800 bowls of regular brand fiber from one <laughs> bowl. Of yeah, even though you can. But uh, if the, if colon blow was real, I would certainly want to eat that just because just that's a good time. Mm-hmm. All right. If you want to learn more about how to look at your own chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the free four-week digestion course at kickitinthenuts.com. Also, go to healthprocourse.com to learn more about how to become a health coach. And you can head on over to Will Schmidt Hottie Patati's page, mybodyofknowledge.net. Check out his page. He has lots of great blogs. And, and yeah, you can, read all of, you can read all of his stuff, even though he's not really here. It's an illusion. You'll always be here in my heart, Will. And uh, thank you so much to everybody that's been leaving us reviews on iTunes. If you heard something that you like, go leave us a review. Uh, Thank you, guys, because that's really been helping us uh, reach more listeners. 
And we're done. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.